0: And let's go ahead and welcome those who are watching online all over the country. Uh, California, Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, Tennessee, Florida, wherever you're watching from, maybe around the world. Uh, We welcome you. So glad to have you uh, joining in with us today. Uh, We just talked about growth track, and today is week one of our growth track and so uh, it's happening during the second service each week and there's four sessions so if you have missed out on growth track before be sure and hop in next week because session two will be happening on the second Sunday of the month they just go right in number week one the first week of the month and so next week will be week two session two and so, we'd love to have you be a part. We don't want you to miss out on what other people are experiencing, okay, from Growth Track. And so, it's so exciting to talk to people who've been through Growth Track. They're so amazed by how God spoke to them, ministered to them. And we want that for each and every one of you. So, whether you're online uh, today and you can be back with us next week, then we would love to see you in Growth Track. And you're giving. Is what makes Growth Track possible, and all the ministries that happen here at Crossroads that reach people divorce care, grief share, um, financial peace university, other th- programs of the church, our student ministry, kids' ministry all those ministries happen because of your generosity. So, I just want to say thank you for your generosity. We talked about uh, our Christmas miracle offering. Uh, in recent weeks, but it's coming up a month from now. So here's what time it is now. It's time to pray. It's time to pray and ask God what he would have you to do for a Christmas miracle offering this year. Last year, we gave, as a church, $50,000 to Project Rescue to be able to rescue women and children over in Asia, pull them out of sexual trafficking, and bring them into hope. Can somebody get excited a little bit about that today? And so, wouldn't it be awesome to do it again? We talked to them, we sang about do it again. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could do that again? Because even now, this year, it's all the more an opportunity to pull and rescue women and children from sexual trafficking over in Asia. And so uh, let's use this opportunity and let's make a difference. And so that's one of the things that we're hoping to do through this year's Christmas miracle offering. So here's what you need to do is just pray, Lord, what would you have me to give? For some of us, maybe we could give an extra $1,000 on that Sunday uh, to help make that happen. Many of you did that last year. For others of us, maybe it's $500, maybe it's $250. I, I don't know what level you may be at and what you might be able to do, but I know we can all do something. Hello? We all do something. If you're watching online, we all do something because you can give online. And uh, that Sunday, it's going to be an amazing day as we not only impact the world, but we also impact right here in our own backyard. And speaking of that, we're going to this year, our big project. Last year, we redid our lobby space and some other things. Uh, to get ready for uh, going online and our live stream. You guys helped make that happen through last year's Miracle Offering. But this year, we're going to build a new outdoor playground that our daycare can use and also the community can use and help us further reach children and families right here in Hendricks County. because somebody get a little excited over that? So, and, and you're real excited if you're a daycare family, all right, because your kid gets to get worn out now all the more before they come home to you, right? And so it makes bedtime a little easier. So uh, we want to continue reaching right here and all over the world. So thank you for praying about that, getting ready for that to happen next month. Today, we have Randy Ruiz in the house to help us to close out, yeah, close out our End times, our last days series today. And next week, I'll be launching a new series on Elijah. We'll be looking at the prophet Elijah for four weeks, and God will speak to you through this series, at least one of the weeks, if not all of the weeks, as we look at this great prophet in the Old Testament. And uh, your faith will grow. Uh, during this next series. And speaking of faith, you know, Randy comes just on a faith basis to come to us and minister to us. And the Bible says that we ought to give back financially to those who give to us spiritually. And so you can do that today, whether you're here or whether you're watching online. Uh, You can give online, of course. If you're here, you can also give in our love uh, offering uh, envelopes and the Love offering boxes on your way out. But if you're online, uh, you can give online. And many of you who are in-house, you give online too. And so thank you for your generosity, not just to the church, but also to Randy today. But all of it, when we give, here's how the Bible says we should give. We should give as unto the Lord. It's as an act of worship unto him. Lord, I'm not just coming and worshiping with my mouth. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is. It's easy to say Jesus is in first place, but come on, let's show it. And we do that as we offer our offerings unto him. I'm gonna pray over this offering, and then we're gonna have a short video introducing the series. And after that, I want you to go nuts over welcoming Randy Ruiz back here to worship with us in ministering the Word of God today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give, whether it's online or in person. You are the great giver, and as a result, we can give. You give everything to us. And so, Lord, today, whether it's in this love offering or whether it's in our regular offering unto you, we just want to worship you with it and thank you for your generosity toward us. And we thank you that right now you're going to help us to have ears to hear and hearts to receive your message of what you want to speak into our lives today. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to do it because I do it every time I come. I I told the first service, I feel like the weird uncle that comes every once in a while to your house. (laughs) Turn to the person next to you, smile and say, you are the best looking thing I've seen all day. If you're online watching and you're there with someone and they're wearing their pajamas, just say, you're the best looking thing I've seen all day. I got a, long, a lot to share with you this morning. Uh, the title of the message is Last Day Lovers, and uh, I didn't come up with the title. Our lead pastor did when we talked on the phone, and I thought he was talking about an old Motown song. Last day love. No, I'm just teasing. All right. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, where's Pastor Josh? Is he here? There you are. That was the coolest jacket on that video, wasn't it? I leaned over to Pastor Craig, and I said, didn't they used to wear that on Miami Vice? Yeah, it was so cool. I just dated myself. And uh, what Craig said was, he said, well, all the stuff that now is coming back in, Rochelle threw away, so I've got to try to go back and hide some things and hold them. Me too. So it was really cool. Did she pick that out for you? Yeah, well, you know, you married above your head. Praise God. Hey, get your Bible out and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. As we speak on Last Day Lovers, and I get the privilege of putting the capstone on this series of messages on end times. I told the first service that this is what you call a maintenance message. To kind of call us all to a deep introspective reflection on where we really are in these last days. Second Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1 through 5. Uh, it'll be on the screen, or you could follow along. I'm reading from the ESV version. But realize this, and in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. That means easily offended. Irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good. Treacherous, reckless, conceited lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness although they have denied its power. Avoid such men. Avoid such men as these. Wow. Well, despite many technological advancements, our culture has entered some frighteningly dark waters. Listen to the headlines. You've all seen them. The chaos of the unthinkable criminal activity that's happening in our streets or the looting in our streets, the confusion of the gender roles and the fear of COVID-19 or possibly another shutdown. How will that affect us financially and how will that affect us in our families? Because of the last shutdown, we have now a opioid abuse is rising along with spousal abuse and divorce and suicide we don't like to talk about those things. The experts are not talking about those, but that's a reality. And every day we hear about another political scandal or a nat- or a national or natural disaster. There's fires right now, wildfires in Southern California, and there's earthquakes in diverse places and the hurricanes that are coming up the Gulf. People are wondering, what in the world is next? It's kind of like we're all waiting for the next shoe to fall. And I don't know about you, but I have heard often people recite these verses in 2 Timothy. And they point to the current culture that we are living in. And they'll say, well, this is evidence that we are living in end times. That these are the last days. And if you take it at face value, you would be hard-pressed to disagree. Well, let's go through the list quickly and see what you think. 2 Timothy 3 says, difficult times. Well, certainly many would agree that we are living in very difficult times. Lovers of self. Well, people sure do look out for number one over everything else. I hope we don't have another run on toilet paper like we did in March. Hoarding things and people over, overlooking others. How about lovers of money? Well, we are a money-loving world. Boastful, arrogant, revilers, all true of people today. How about disobedient to parents? Well, scarily, that is very true. Thanks to Dr. Spock for this one. And we're not talking about Captain Kirk's uh, first officer on the USS Enterprise. I'll, I'll date myself again. No, we're talking about the psychologists of the 1960s, Dr. Spock, who did not believe in spanking children, and he moved an entire generation away from biblical child-rearing to psychological things that have impacted our culture today. How about ungrateful, unholy, unloving? Yes, yes, and yes. Ir- irreconcilable or easily offended. Malicious gossips. Unforgiving, check. Gossipers, well, yeah, Check. Without self-control, absolutely, absolutely. Brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, all true, all true, all true. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, yes, it's all about what makes people feel good today. And God has been removed from all areas of life. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Well, we're living in a day that everyone thinks they're good and All people are going to heaven, though they want nothing to do with the God who is in heaven. Very interesting. Right now, many of you say, well, there you go, Randy. There you have it. These verses are evidence that we're living in end times. There's only one problem. These verses are not speaking about society in general. No, Paul is writing from a cold, damp prison cell and He's giving his last will and testament. He knows he's going to die, and he's writing to his associate pastor who's pastoring the church in Ephesus. And he knows he's giving his last will and testament. And he has a very specific group of people in mind. Because here's the reality. Society has always been like this. Go through the list again and think of a time that those types of people did not exist in the world. Of course, we see them today, and that's really for sure we do, but they were around 2,000 years ago. People haven't changed. They were there in the time of Jesus. Well, just look at the Pharisees. And they were there in the types of people. They were there in the time of the Jewish kings and the Jewish judges. They were also there when Joseph was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery by his brothers to the Ishmaelites, the Ishmaelites being the descendant of Ishmael, who was the child of Abraham and his illicit love affair with Hagar, the Egyptian. They were there when Noah was building the ark. They've always been there. So if these people have always been around, then why would God give us this passage as a warning sign that we are living in the last days? It's like saying, well, the end times will come when people are being people when people are just walking around and doing their thing. So the secular society, or what we categorize as the world, cannot be the subject of these verses in 2 Timothy. It makes no sense. Paul must have someone else in mind. Friend, God gives us these verses because he is speaking about the condition of the last day's church. He wants us to take a deep, introspected look at our own hearts, at our own life. And immediately when I say that, I I know that there are many of you watching online or here even in the building, and you'll say, wait a second, Randy, wait a second. Are you saying that Christians in the last days will be like this list of people, and we are the subject that God is focused on in 2 Timothy chapter three? Absolutely and sadly, yes, yes. See, in our text, Paul gives Timothy and us a dose of reality about the times in which we are living. He warns us that in the last days, difficult times will come. Now, the Greek word for difficult is used only one other time in the New Testament, and it describes the two violent demoniacs of Gadara. So in essence, the Greek word for difficult is used to describe harsh, fierce, savage times, or demon-possessed times. Are coming. I believe they are here already. When Paul says the last days, he's referring to the period of time between Christ's ascension and his second coming. Times means seasons or time periods. So the idea is that during the church age, there will be various times, some more intense than others, where the church will face intense, sometimes savage, demonic opposition. And as you read through this long list of evil characteristics, it's very easy to think of the godless enemies of faith that never darken the door of the church. But then you come to verse 5. You see, verse 5 in my study blew my mind. Because you read all these characteristics, and you get to verse 5 where Paul says, they hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And that's when you realize, well, good Lord. Good Lord, he's talking about those within the church. He's describing people who claim to be professing Christians. Some are church leaders, they teach Bible studies. He's not talking about passive, sit in the pew members, but people who are active in ministry. The problem is their walk with God is just an empty shell, it's just religion. It's no big deal. They lack lack the reality of a genuine walk with God who looks at your heart. Remember, God looks at the heart of man. We look at the outward appearance of man. We look at man's skin color. We look at man's uh, things that he does on the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart of man. Remember, Jesus told the Pharisees, remember Lot's wife. He was reminding them that on the outside, you look pious, you look religious, and Lot's wife did the same. But when she turned and looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah on the day that that city was being destroyed, he said, I had been looking, the reference is, I had been looking at her heart, and her heart was stone. So I just gave the world a view of what I've been seeing, and she was turned to a pillar of stone, and the Pharisees understood it. They talk a good line. They put on a good front. But their motives, their actions, their thought lives, and their personal relationships, they are not godly people. And that is what God is telling us in 2 Timothy. That in the last days, the church will be filled with these kind of people. Pleasing the Lord is out. And pleasing themselves is all that matters. They live one way at church. And they live another way at home, or on the job, or in school. They have forgotten that Monday through Saturday matters. How you live your life, Monday through Saturday, matters. And it's easy to read this list, and you immediately begin to think, you know, I once knew someone like that. He was a total jerk. Or she was a total jerk. And we point our fingers Or we say, you know what, I've read about people like that, shame on them. But I think Paul wanted Timothy and us to do some personal soul-searching as we read the list and ask ourselves the eternal question. Lord, is it me? Is it me, Lord? Could I be drifting into a holding to a form of godliness, but denying its power to transform my heart? In the midst of the political circus that we are involved in, Lord, in the midst of the COVID, in the midst of the fear, are we going to get a vaccination? Are we not going to get a vaccination? In the the midst of, will I have a job? Will I not have a job? What's life going to be like, Lord, when my kids go to school? In the midst of all of these things, all of these panics, when we're looking at the signs of the times that you've heard in previous messages. Could it be, God, that in the midst of all of that, I'm holding to a form of godliness, but I'm denying its power to transform my heart daily. See, Paul's message to us is simple. We must knowingly avoid empty religion and those who propagate it. Here's a key sign of the times. You really want to know when Jesus is coming? He gives us signs of the times. And here's a sign of the time. Because just before Jesus comes again, many in the church will grow cold in their relationship with God. Many will grow cold in their relationship with God. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus said it this way. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Well, in another passage of Scripture, Jesus calls them workers of iniquity. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. You see, iniquity is secret sin. A transgression is an open rebellion against God. It's what you do in the open, and everybody sees that you're doing it, but you don't care because you like it. The iniquity is what you do in private to cover up what you've done in public. The iniquity is what God calls you workers or evildoers. We can see from the scripture above that these were obviously people who were doing the work of God. It says they prophesied in God's name. They cast out demons and did many wonders. Now, that is very confusing. And if you're anything like me, in my study, I said, wait a second, Lord, this doesn't make any sense. If they are not really walking with God, how is it that they are doing miracles? How is it, Lord, that they are doing great things and they're prophesying and they're seeing amazing moves of your spirit? Well, the book of Isaiah explains it to us. Would you look with me to Isaiah, the fifty-first or 55th chapter, The 10th through the 11th verse. The prophet Isaiah, as God is speaking through him, he explains it. Verse 10, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Listen now, verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I have sent it. What God is saying is the power for miracles is in the word. The powerful for miracles is in God's written and spoke word. When people speak out God's word, God's word will not return void. So men and women who are religious and they simply are the vessel that God uses and God flows through. He will flow through them, and it's his word that will not return void. So the power for miracles is in the preach word. The power to heal is in the word of God, and it will not return void. However, we know from Scripture that entering God's kingdom is not just about being religious or even the works that people do, but by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have, in these last days, a personal relationship with Jesus? As a result of that relationship throughout the history, the church has been known as sanctified. That's another Bible college word, sanctified. What it simply means is separated, set apart. And since we were separated out from the world, we did not look like the world, we should not sound like the world, and we should not act like the world. And this was why people were drawn to the church in the first place. She looked different from everybody else. There, there was something that caught their attention. Today, many claim to be Christians, and yet their actions or their things they support completely contradict what they say. Hear it again. There are so many that call that claim to be Christians and yet their actions or their things they support contradict everything they say. This Tuesday, I'm going to ask that you vote not a personality, but a platform. A platform. Because someone may not fit into your personality, like Pastor Craig was saying, or you don't deem them as politically this or that. Would you please do some research And not vote personality, but vote platform. For the Bible says you will know them by their fruits. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. People ask me all the time, well, Randy, how can I know I'm growing in the Lord? You know, I've been walking with God for many years. So how can I know I'm really maturing and growing in the Lord? And I always smile and say, well, guys, God gave us a list, a measuring stick. Did he really? Yes. And we simply have to honestly, in our prayer closet, compare our lives to the list. Notice I said, honestly, in our prayer closet, this is something that is between you and God, and you don't have to go out there and broadcast it to the world, what God is doing in your life and in your heart. Because we're not perfect people. And it's a daily walk with God. It's a daily cleansing with God. It's daily asking the Holy Spirit to use me and heal me. And you take this list that I gave you on the fruits of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, courteous, long suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, self control. And you go into your prayer closet and you ask the Holy Spirit, are there any areas in my life that I'm lacking? And I wonder how many today, within the sound of my voice, can truly say they're walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Many today who claim to be Christians are calling good evil and evil good. And it's causing great confusion. These are the workers of iniquity Jesus spoke about. They have a form of godliness, but deny its power. And the Bible says they are always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They always have this intellectual Christianity that's gonna be rampant in the last days church. Intellectual Christianity, where they have all this knowledge, but they are rejecting the truth. You say, Well, Randy, what truth are they rejecting? The truth that we can go on claiming to be a Christian and live a double life. One way at work and one way at home, one way at church. Jesus says that only those who do the will of the Father, not just say it, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me give you another reality check. Your double life mocks God. Your double life mocks God. It also allows unbelievers to mock, ignore, or totally reject God's word. Because they see how we live. And how we live will directly affect how people feel about God and his written word. And they're watching. See, so no matter what your station in life is, Christian men and women who are not what they ought to be will give people a reason to blaspheme God's word. In essence, they're saying, well, you call yourself a Christian, and yet you do this, this, and this. I've heard you say this, this, and this. Listen, friends, I told the first service, the world doesn't judge us by our theology. It judges us by our behavior. Oh, hear it again. The world does not judge us by our theology. Why, Randy? Because they don't know theology. They judge us by our behavior. I very seldom quote Bill Maher because he never has anything worth quoting. (laughs) but this time he said something that caught my attention. Bill Maher said, and I quote, Jesus as a philosopher is wonderful. There's no greater role model in my view than Jesus Christ. It's just a shame that most of the people who follow him and call themselves Christians act nothing like him. End quote. Wow. Wow. You say, well, why is that statement so heavy? Well, if unbelievers see that our lives are truly transformed, separate, and distinct from the world, they might conclude that Scripture is true, powerful, and life-changing. And the credibility of the Christian gospel is inseparably linked to the integrity of the lives who proclaim it. And that's why it's so devastating when a well-known pastor or Christian leader are caught in some gross sin or immorality? How do you think people react when they see Christian hypocrisy? The, The people on your job, if they see hypocrisy in your life, you living one way on the job and one way at church, how do you think they respond? Well, I'll tell you how they respond. When you walk away, they laugh. They ridicule. But they not only laugh and ridicule you, they laugh and ridicule God. You become an excuse that they can live how they want to live. Thus short-circuiting any opportunity we have to tell them about the power to transform their life. The impact of lives of men and women who call themselves Christian is vital, gang. It's vital to the credibility of the faith and the effectiveness of our personal witness and preaching. Because ultimately, what's at stake in the way we live our lives is the credibility of God's word. You are the only Bible they may ever read. And so they're watching. And when you live a godly life, you're making an emphasis on God's word. See, it makes serving God attractive. They look at you and they go, man, there's something different about them. It makes serving God attractive. Paul said in Titus chapter 2, verse 10, and if we had time, we'd even get into the letter to Titus because Titus is another associate pastor of the Apostle Paul, and he's dealing with many of the things in his church that Timothy was dealing with in Ephesus. And he says to, to Titus, In Titus 2, verse 10, that they will adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. Adorn is from the Greek word kosimeo and refers to making something beautiful. So how will we ever make the good news about God as Savior beautiful in every respect if we don't look like we've been saved? And I'm not talking about just dress alone, but in our character, in the way we treat people, in our actions, and how we serve our God. See, we live, when we live a life of obedience to God, that in itself will be a testimony against wrong. With this election coming, when those around us see us helping rather than exploiting. When those around us hear us talking with purity instead of profanity. And observe us speaking truthfully rather than deceitfully. Our example will itself be a rebuke of selfishness, unwholesome talk, and falsehood. Listen, gang, simply refusing to participate in a dishonest business or social practice will sometimes be such a strong rebuke, it may cost you your job. It may cost you a friendship. It may cost you a relationship that is dear to you. Unfortunately, many Christians are barely able to keep their own spiritual and moral houses in order. And that's why it is imperative. That is why it is important that we learn what the, biblical, what the Bible actually says is how to live. That's why it is imperative that you are involved in growth track. It is imperative that you surround yourself with people who understand what the Bible really says and what it teaches. Because making salvation attractive is our highest calling. See, when we make salvation beautiful, we make God attractive. To convince a man God can save him, I need to show him a man that God has saved. To convince a man that God can give hope, well, I need to show him a man with hope. To convince a man that God can give peace, joy, and love, I need to show him a man that's operating in godly peace, joy, and love. To convince a man that God can give him complete and total and utter satisfaction with the wife of his youth, then I need to show him a man that has got complete complete satisfaction and total satisfaction with the wife of my youth. My wife and I will celebrate 32 years of marriage this November the 4th, this coming Wednesday. Yeah. And it's awesome. And I can honestly say I love her more today than I did when we were in our 20s when we got married. To show the world. That I could be satisfied with Jesus. That I could show them a man that loves Jesus. See when the world sees people who are holy, righteous, peaceful, joyful and fulfilled. They see the evidence of God's transforming power. So what's at stake is the eternal destiny of millions and millions of people souls that are living all around you, they're watching you, they might even be living in your home, you see them on the job, you guys are sitting on the front row, you're going to virtually sit next to them in college, or some of you that are taking on-campus classes, you'll, you'll sit next to them, and the mindset of this world is live for today. And when I hear that, my heart breaks because I say, hey, gang, there's a longer tomorrow. And it's coming soon. So, Christian, it's imperative that you ask the Holy Spirit right now to help empower you to be a Philippians 2.15 Christian. You say, okay, Randy, what's a Philippians 2.15 Christian? Well, let's read it blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world that as this election is coming Lord would you help us be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the mind in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation when it comes to your dating and choosing a mate Lord That I would be a blameless and innocent child of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in the way you conduct your business and pay your taxes. Lord, help me be blameless and innocent child of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Read the rest of it. Among whom you appear as lights in the world. Because in the last days, there will be a great falling away. And not to be repetitive, but I have a responsibility to tell you that one of the sure signs that we're living in the last days will be the condition of the church. Now with that as our focus, let's go back to the passage in 2 Timothy 3 and review these aspects again, this time with an eye to the church rather than the world Difficult times, lovers of self, lovers of money. You say, well, come on, Randy, Christians aren't that way. Oh, really? Scripture tells us we are to tithe. Hmm. Boasters, arrogant, revilers, just check out the social media of many Christians, especially in this political season. Disobedient to parents, scarily most Christians raise their children using the wisdom of the world rather than the wisdom of the Bible. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving. To me, that's an oxymoron. Can you even be a Christian and be ungrateful, unholy, and unloving? Irreconcilable or easily offended, malicious gossips. I've met many Christians who are unforgiving and gossips, easily offended. Without self-control, ask a Christian to fast for a day. (laughs) Brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited. Most Christians hate the idea of discipline, humility, meekness, and sacrifice. Many are too proud. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I ask myself, Lord, am I that way? Or how many Christians would rather go and pray for an hour? Or would they rather go to a football game? I don't know holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Let me close with this. We get another look at the end time church in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. The 2 Thessalonians tells us, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. What he's saying is in 2 Thessalonians that Jesus will not come again until first we see an apostasy in the church. The apostle, the apostasy is going to come from the church. Now, apostasy is one of those words that we use in Bible college. And we kind of, well, what does it really mean? Well, apostasy means to abandon or renounce the beliefs of the faith. To abandon or renounce the beliefs of the faith. Now, Now, let me explain to you how that will take place. It's not like they'll wake up one morning and say, I don't love you anymore, God. It's that life will become so difficult, life will become so challenging that you'll go a month or maybe two, and then you realize, I haven't even prayed at home. I haven't read my Bible. It's not like you meant to. It's like life becomes the enemy. And suddenly there's a sliding away. And it says, let no one deceive you. It'll come very quickly. And as a Christian, dare I say, a true Christian, you are to be a great contrast in a dark world. Anchored in Jesus Christ, you are immovable. You are steadfast and you are strong. Your eyes are to be fixed on the word of God, a beacon that stands out like a lamp shining in a dark place. 2 Peter 1.19 says that. And as you move towards that light, God changes your life by the power of the Holy Spirit and the message you proclaim and the life that you live guarantees that you and I, we will stand out in these last days. We will stand out. Now, for those of you that are single, let me explain to you how difficult it even becomes even more because the pressure to give in to the world, the pressure to just take somebody because you don't want to be alone. The feeling that, Lord, is there anybody out there for me? You might be watching me at home, and you're thinking, I don't want to be alone, Randy. Don't give in to the pressures of this world, for this world is fleeting. It's going to be gone just like that. And sometimes we only have eyes for today. But friend, the message you proclaim and the life you live guarantees you will stand out in this present culture. And God knows your needs. He knows your heart. And I don't know the time frame of when he'll bring somebody or when he won't. But I do know that he knows your heart. And you need to trust him. Are we in end times? Well, does the church look like 2 Timothy chapter 3? In some cases, yes. And it seems like we're moving even more towards that daily. The more important question is, not are we living in end times, but what will you do with the times you are living in? Because these are your last days and mine. And what are we going to do about it? And if we're sitting here this morning and we say, well, Randy, the church proves that we're living in end times, okay, so how will you conduct yourself from now on? Will you leave here today and reach out to a lost person to share the story of Jesus before it's too late? Will you repent and confess and decide to become obedient to the word of God in all ways, not just in the ways that are easy for you? Oh, it's so easy, Pastor Josh, to be obedient in some areas. But will you take all of him? And here's the truth. Whether we are in end times or not, Jesus has given us a playbook to live by. And He expects that we will follow it regardless of how soon he is coming or not. These are your last days and mine. And the reason he did not give us a time and date of his coming. You see, so many people ask me, why didn't God just tell us time and date when he's coming? Well, here's why. Because he wants you to live every day as if it was your last. If every Christian did these things, the church would look completely different. It would look more like the early church that we read about in the book of Acts. We might not be able to change the church in our day in our time, but you could change yourself. You could change and have influence over those in your home and in your life. So let's live like biblical Christians, even as we watch for his soon return. I don't know when he's coming again. In fact, not even the angels of heaven know. Only the father that is in heaven. But I do know that I want to live my life in a way that shows people Jesus love, Jesus cares, and he's coming again. He's coming again. With every head up and every eye open as our musicians are coming, those of you that are watching me online, this is not the time to check out. I want you to ask yourself, am I a last day lover? Have I gotten so in love with a culture that I'm denying the power of God to change my life. Listen, I want you to really go through that list, the fruits of the Spirit. I'm giving you a little insight into how I live my life when I go to study. Lord, this list is so difficult. Love, joy, peace, patience, courteous, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. And I'm not saying that every single one of us will master every one of the list. But I am saying it is a standard to live by. And only the power of the Holy Spirit can help us do it. Because I don't want to be a part of the apostate church. I I don't want to miss heaven because I fell in love with the culture here. No, Lord, and I don't want to be a stumbling block to those around me that say, Aren't you a Christian? Then why are you? Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now to flow across the live stream signal into the homes all across this nation and around this world. Jesus said, I must go, but I'll ask the Father to send another of the same kind, who's the mirror image of me here on planet Earth. For those of you watching by live stream, I'm limited in the natural. I can't reach you except by this technology and the Holy Spirit, He's not limited. He could reach you wherever you are. You might be watching me on your laptop in an airport. You might be watching me in a hotel or in the comfort of your own home. The same power that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised to life again, the three-day dead body of the Lamb of God can come into your home right now if you will welcome him in. And that's the power that's filling this room right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room and you might be in a backslidden condition, You say, well, Randy, what's backslid? Backslid is if at any other time in your Christian walk, you were closer to God than you are right now, then you're backslid. And you're looking at these lists and you're saying, wow. Lord, I don't want to deny the power of God to change me. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again on the third day, you shall be saved. By a public confession of your faith. It's simply lifting your hand and saying, Lord, I need you. So if you're in this room or watching by home and you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time or possibly rededicate your life to Christ, I'm going to count to three just so we can all respond together. And if you are at home, we do have a pastor that you can get involved with and, and you can get involved with that online discussion. Nick is out. Pastor Nick is waiting on you. In just a moment, our lead pastor is going to come, and he's going to pray over us. He's going to lead us in what we call the prayer of salvation and rededication. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, Pastor Craig, would you please come? It's been my joy to be with you. I love you. At the count of three, if you'd like to give your life to Christ or rededicate your life, I want you to just throw your hands in the air as our pastor comes. One, two, three, right now, right now, right now.
0: All right, if you raise your hand in this room or online, you need to come to faith in Christ or rededicate yourself to faith in Christ. Will you pray this with me? As a matter of fact, let's all pray this prayer. Just say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for me. I believe his death paid my price for all of my sin. So I ask you to wash it all away. Make me new today. From this point forward, as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for coming in and accepting me as a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody. Let's praise God for you. All those who made a commitment or recommitment of faith,